Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to Season 6, Episode 9 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm your host for this show, Alex Martin. Dustin Levy decided to skip this week, wanted to go see a concert instead. Shame on him. But uh, I'm here alongside Dan DeLuca and our sports editor, Ed Reed. Gentlemen, how's it going? And, uh, you know, is it crazy to say that we are literally three weeks away from the postseason now? Yeah, it's gone fast. Some interesting matchups still ahead of us, but uh, a lot of a lot of things to talk about this week. Ed, you're back. I mean, just uh, your overall thoughts on on having a mic uh, right next to you. Oh, I enjoy filling in when I can. But yeah, uh, it's been an exciting season so far. There's still a lot up in the air, a lot to be decided. So it's kind of exciting that we're this deep into the season and we still have a lot of drama. Yeah, without a doubt. A lot of our teams were off this past week, uh, ranked opponents specifically, uh, Dunbar being one, Golden Gate being another, uh, just a handful of teams. I mean, it was kind of a slowish week for, for some, but our game of the week, Baron Collier 20, South Fort Myers 19. I had the luxury of being at this game. Baron Collier impressed me a lot because of the fact that they won with a backup quarterback in Brian Williams, Nico Boyce. Uh, took this blow to the head on, on the first drive in the Naples game. Uh, he had to go through protocol. Um, he was not ready for this past week's matchup, but he'll be ready this week. I was just impressed with the way Barron won. Um, they only, you know, they bent but didn't break on defense, played a really strong first half. Um, it, it was just typical Barron football, just finding ways to win. Mark Jackson out coaching Willis May in this one. There was a flat route that was open more often than not uh, that Barron exploited multiple times. Uh, run game didn't really – there weren't many breakout runs, but timely ones um, between Juan Acuna, Brian Williams getting the, the game ceiling first down, and Jackson Polly also just taking advantage of high-volume carries. Um, and Mark Jackson, you know, i got to give him credit. He's not afraid to speak what's on his mind. Uh, here's what he had to say following the win. You know what? I go like this. It was a must win because you all talk trash about us. So you know what? You all say. You all doubted us. You all, you did. You doubted us. I, I 3-0 with all three of y'all picked someone else. So all y'all got an L. And that was Baron Collier head coach Mark Jackson. Fun as always. Always good uh, getting an interview with him. Uh, Ed, you were kind of watching this game on Facebook. Jesuit Bishop Vero. Vero had him. It looked like it was just one play and, and the play before um, looked like Deshaun Jenkins had Will Griffin sacked. Uh, you know, you watched this game. Your overall thoughts on the Vikings? Yeah, the second half, they came to life. Uh, the defense shored up, stopped uh, Jesuit pretty much dead in the tracks until pretty much the last drive. Um, Vero did an excellent job uh, spreading the ball around, uh, big plays. Carter Smith, of course, directing the offense. Um, but the defense really stepped up in the second half and gave them that chance to come back. I thought that was excellent. And seeing uh, you know, them throwing the wrinkles in, like you know, your, your, your top running back in there, basically playing linebacker, uh, charging the quarterback, uh, making things happen. Uh, I thought Jesuit, honestly, was going to put the game away. They had a, a first and goal basically at the one-yard line or the five-yard line uh, late in the fourth quarter, and Vero made a great goal line stand. Uh, push them back to the 17, and then Jesuit misses a field goal. 
Um, and then, of course, Rowe gets the ball and charges down and scores a touchdown to go up by one. Unfortunately, they had a fourth down play, fourth and five, 30 seconds left. All you got to do is make one stop, and the game's over, and you've come back to win on the road. And, um, you know, Jesuit, you, know, you tip the cap. Sometimes great players make great plays, um, and that's what happened. But moral victory, Varroa on the road, faced adversity, fought back, never quit. Um, I think that's going to help them in the long run as they uh, try to get to Tallahassee. Yeah, and picking up on that, I think that just further solidified their belief um, that they could be playing in Tallahassee in December, playing for a state title, uh, being able to compete with a team like that on the road and in coming back down 28-7. to um, Nonetheless, impressive by our area's number one team. Uh, Dan, you were at a very interesting game, a very low-scoring game. Uh, North is just unable to get on the right side of these one score one point contest yeah these are uh these were really two teams that had a very similar start to the season both struggled in the early going both had a lot of injuries at, at key positions and uh both were coming off a off a win looking to start you know their first winning streak of the season uh and it's charlotte that got that uh ended up winning seven to six um, it's sort of a question of are these really two offenses that just can't get things going or are these two really good defenses? Uh, Charlotte's defensive line, I thought, did a really good job uh, controlling Norse running game and also put a lot of pressure uh, in the backfield. And uh, Bryce DeRoss for, for North really tried to gut out an effort. Uh, I mean, he's obviously not 100% playing with a knee brace. Uh, is really limited in his movement, but tried to get that North offense going. And North really had control of the game. They were up 6 nothing. Um, North only has seven seniors, which we've talked about a lot. And sometimes, you know, young mistakes happen. There was some miscommunication on a fourth and long. North was in their own territory. Uh, punter thought that a fake punt was being called. Um, so, you know, he took off, um, was stopped well short of the first down, gave Charlotte the ball inside North's 25-yard line with about five minutes remaining in the game. North forced a uh, fourth and long. Charlotte throws it into the end zone. North DB never turns around, probably wasn't going to be caught anyway. It was kind of in the back of the end zone, but never turned around, bumped into the Charlotte receiver. It's an easy pass interference call, gives Charlotte new life. They end up punching it in with less than three minutes left and uh, end up winning 7-6. to six. So really kind of a heartbreaker for North. And, and for Charlotte, it, it's a chance to kind of – you know, see if they can get some momentum going. Uh, but both of these teams still have the opportunity to make the playoffs, still alive in district play. So, you know, you've kind of got that, um, you know, whether you lost this game like North did or won it like Charlotte, you still have something to play for. Yeah, without a doubt. And you did mention those six, seven seniors. It's an interesting dynamic at North because, yeah, they only have six seniors, but a handful of them are very important ones. DeRoss being one, Divine and Malloy being two others, and Adrian Stone being a third or a fourth rather. I don't know what to make of North right now. It's they're very, you know, good in some areas and you can tell very inexperienced in others. And they haven't been able to really secure much of a home field advantage like Moody Field has been over the last couple of years of being able to, you know, make that a tough place to play. It's it's been a place where they've lost a handful of games this year. And I I'm, I'm just it is shocking just to see North sitting at one and five right now. Basically in a make or break you know, stretch here having to beat Mariner for the district title effectively and uh, just going from there. Ed, Dan, any other games that kind of surprised you this week? I mean, there were a handful of ones that we expected, you know, with Port Charlotte doing what it did to Riverdale. 
Um, Naples doing what it did to Palmetto Ridge. An outcome or two maybe that surprised you guys this week. I would just say the the margin, uh, Lehigh went to Sebring, ended up losing 49-6. to um, Lehigh had been in most of their games this year, aside from the opening game against Naples. And I was just really kind of surprised at that margin. Uh, not a lot of information really about what came out of that game. Um, but Lehigh, again, you know, they're, they're still in position. They're still alive in their district despite, you know, that loss. They've got uh, Charlotte this week. Um, so it's, you know, we'll just see if they can kind of regroup. Yeah, and picking up on that, um, a game that surprised me a little bit, uh, First Baptist 42, Wakiva 35. The Lions go on the road, move to 4-2 and two on the year, 2-0 and oh with Winston Watkins on the roster. He went over 100 yards on the night. Uh, Jaden Petit, 100 yards even with two touchdowns. And the Lions are rolling in at this point. Um, I, I don't really see anybody that can challenge them in 1S. Nobody can stop their offense at this point. And, you know, while the defense may be a little bit suspect over the last few weeks, it's very tough and very challenging to outscore FBA. Just ask Wakiva and Golden Gate that. Um, Gateway grabbing their first win over Benita Springs, 28-21. Um, our colleague Dustin Levy was there. I'd be curious to get his take. Uh, but, Ed, I mean, you see the scores – just one that kind of maybe sticks out or maybe an important outcome for a team? Well, the one I, I saw Eastley uh, give Fort Myers a real battle last the week before and then to come out um, and to handle Cape Coral. I know they, they're really in a stretch of games now where they feel they can dominate, maybe exert their will a little bit, especially with their O-line and their running attack. And Cape Coral is the first uh, benefactor of that. And I think – this is a, a good jumping off point. Even though they lost to Fort Myers, I think that can propel the Jaguars to a couple wins here. Um, and I think, you know, at home beating Cape Coral um, was probably another uh, a step in that way. And I wouldn't be surprised to see East Lee go on a little bit of a run here before the end of the season. Yeah, and this is an East Lee team that a lot of coaches in Media Day were high on. You know, they thought that this team could do something special. Maybe it took a little time. Maybe it took some time to gel and whatnot, but this. Jaguars team seems to be trending in the right direction. Uh, one more game before we hit break. Immokalee 42, Okeechobee 22. Uh, a must win for Immokalee. They needed some sort of momentum headed into district play. Um, they got Palmetto Ridge this week, a team that was really competitive against uh, Gulf Coast, and then they're going to have to take on the Sharks at their place in what we think is going to be a de facto district title game. A uh, huge win for Redwood to move to 3-4. and four. Uh, they'll look to finish over 500 under James Delgado in his second season. But that's Week Seven's recap. We are going to take a look at regionals and prospective playoff matchups in our next segment. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. All right, and welcome back. This is uh, this week's edition of If the Playoffs Started Today. Uh, the FHSA has released their rankings in time uh, before our podcast re- uh, started recording on Tuesday to talk where teams will be seated, where they're ranked. Um, we'll start off with 1S Region 4. Uh, CSN still holding up as the one seed. 
FBA sitting at the number two and, and Moorhaven at three and ECS at four. We're going to assume, guys, that this one will sort itself out at the end of the year when these two teams play, but um, CSN and FBA, proverbial favorites to come out of the region. Your thoughts on this? ECS uh, is having a nice year, but this is going to come down most likely to First Baptist Community School. I, I don't see why First Baptist won't win the district and be the top seed in the region and have a shot at making it back to at least the Final Four this year after winning the state title last year. Yeah, Dan, uh, Moorhaven, I mean, Moorhaven is kind of, they can kind of serve as spoiler here, can they? Or, I mean, are they, where do they need to get, you think, to maybe, do they need to jump up to a two and host a game? What, what do you think Moorhaven would have to do? Well, Moorhaven was able to beat ECS last year, first round of the playoffs at ECS, so I, I think they're a dangerous team. Uh, I don't think um, they can hang with First Baptist, and uh, frankly, I, I'm not real sure about community school uh, either. I, I think that's pretty, I think it's a little bit maybe closer with community school and ECS, so I think ECS you know, still has a chance to kind of get out of the mix, maybe get into the second round. The one thing about CSN at this point is we still haven't really seen them face a, a, a opponent at their level um, and of course this week they have Newman no offense to the Celtics but they're a young program with a new coach who's still trying to find their way had a nice win this past week but if things go the way they should CSN should be able to handle Newman and then you know their first real contest will probably be when they play First Baptist yeah and that's the problem it's just I'm more of a reactive person on these types of things I, I'm just not sold on CSN yet. They haven't played much of anybody. I'm still in wait-and-see mode on them. First Baptist is going to be their test, and, and that's the rivalry game. Uh, but I will say this, Big 15, when we were doing our photo shoots, George Haseo to CSN said, just wait. So, I mean, he feels very bullish about his team. Um, the CSN O-line is good. Uh, they are talented. Um, so that could make for an, an interesting game if CSN can really control the line of scrimmage and limit FBA's possessions. Um, but for now, I mean, someone's got to stop the Lions, and nobody's been able to do that. I will say at the Private 8 Media Day, they did have several of the offensive linemen there for CSN. And let's just say that they're probably hurting the uh, the lunch line at CSN because those are some big boys. And, yeah, if they can co- – a lot of coaches say the O-line. If CSN's own line can maybe hold FBA back a little bit and and because that's going to be attracting me, let's be honest. First Baptist is going to score – Anyone who beats First Baptist is going to have to keep up with them. Can CSM pull it off? We'll find out. It'll be an exciting game to watch, though. Without a doubt. And maybe, maybe I wonder if those offensive linemen were there just for the intimidation factor. I, I don't know. There was It felt like there were five or six of them there. I um, like seeing the size, though. But, Good for them for uh, bringing them in. But, yeah, it was uh, – It. I mean, they're probably the biggest O-line we've got in the area. Um, just moving on to 2S Region 4. Right now, Bishop Pro is not the one seed. They are eight spots off of Fort Meade here in 2S Region 4. Consensus before this was that maybe the Vikings wouldn't be able to catch Fort Meade after a loss, but they're still in striking distance. You know, From here on out, it looks like the rest of Varro's opponents are going to keep winning. Uh, that should probably boost them past Fort Meade in the end. Uh, Dan, you know, you're kind of the Varro guy here. What do you think of the Vikings maybe just getting home field advantage? Would it be a shock? No, it wouldn't be a shock. But for Vero, I don't. I don't think it really matters um, with this group of teams uh, that's there in the region. I think even if they had to go on the road, let's say they don't, don't catch Fort Meade, I don't think that's a that's a bridge too far for them. Uh, you know, to kind of advance out of the region anyway. Obviously, they'd like to have every game at home. Um, maybe it'll work itself out. Maybe not. But I still think Vero is far and away the team to beat. 
Yeah, and you know, keep an eye on Booker here. A very good number six seed that should, we think, have no problems with Lemon Bay. Uh, the Mana Rays are, are highly ranked because of an undefeated record. They're going to get FBA here in about a week or two. Um, going to assume FBA is going to win that game. But uh, Astero sitting pretty. You know, they're they're number five. They seem to be safely in. Um, Wildcats, maybe they get a rematch with Vero in the second round. We'll see. Yeah, this is uh, Vero's to lose. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, if you look at it, like Parish Community beat Mulberry by one in overtime this past week. So, I mean, those teams are very close, and I, those are not teams that I, I see having a, a chance to hang with Faroe in a, in a playoff game. Yeah, and I think it's going to be just like last year. You know, it's three, four-score games from a prediction standpoint uh, in the first couple of rounds. Uh, Veros is too good, um, and I think the Jesuit game further proved that. Yeah, that defense allowed 36, but that's arguably the best offense they're going to see uh, in the regular season. Uh, moving on to 4S Region 4, this is probably Venice and their friends. Uh, Venice, who was embracing the underdog mentality on Twitter uh, a handful of times when they were ranked, uh, I think, in the 200s early on. Uh, just embracing it sarcastically just because of the FHSA's rankings. They're the number one seed right now. Uh, Manatee's the two. Riverview would be the three. Gulf Coast would be the four. Palmetto the five. Immokalee the six. Charlotte the seven. And Lakewood Ranch the eight. This one has potential for drama, especially if Lehigh can beat Charlotte this week. That could take a bit away from Lakewood Ranch because all district champs get in. And if Charlotte does not win the district, uh, that means Lehigh is in great position. Um, you know, Ed, this is one of the interesting regions. I mean, last year, 4S16, it was only Gulf Coast that got in, and, and now it looks like Gulf Coast and Immokalee are both going to be in. Well, here's the problem with uh, – it's Venice. I mean, this yeah. is Venice Manatees <laughs> region. Everybody else, thanks for showing up. We appreciate it. And Venice played Manatee this past week. Manatee, which has had a defense that had dominated everybody – gave up 552 yards of offense and seven offensive touchdowns to Venice. And this has been Manatee's one of their best teams in a long time. They lose 56-24. So, I mean, thanks everybody else for showing up. Venice is going to the Final Four. But, you know, it's a great accomplishment making the playoffs in, in 4S. Yeah, when when Venice is 32 points better than the number two seed in this region. Uh, it's and Manatee's good. a very good team. Yeah. I would not be surprised if we see Venice-Manatee rematch um in you know late november but venice is at this point just they're on a roll now they've got through their early bumps they dominate this region um i'd be i'd be surprised if they're not in the final four it's going to be without question it's going to be a tall task to be able to overcome venice yeah they had a slow start but perhaps that was more beneficial for the program well, than starting and their off slow winning. start was against power teams they yes. weren't playing powder puffs they were they, on purpose, schedule very tough to start, suffered a couple of losses, and now they're playing their local teams and the district opponents, and Manatee will probably just gave them the best game they're going to get out of their uh, district. Yeah. Uh, local teams should take note on Venice's schedule. Uh, without a doubt, tough. Gulf Coast would hypothetically host Palmetto in this this hypothetical, and, and Immokalee would head to Riverview. Um, you know, Dan, I, I want to revisit the Gulf Coast-Immokalee argument. But I mean, Immokalee was basically in a must-win situation last year. This year, it does not seem like that's the case. Um, what do you think? You know, maybe this Redwood team could do in the playoffs. 
I think for Immokalee, it's really just about getting that playoff experience. I mean, obviously, you'd like to win, but with a team that's, you know, kind of starting to build back up again, you just want to get in, you know, any way you can, have a playoff game, have your kids experience that atmosphere, and then kind of go from there. I mean, if, if you can win one, that's great, but... You know, realistically, you know, this is a region that's going to be, you know, Venice Manatee. I mean, those are those are really the two teams that have a chance, um, realistic chance to get out of there. But, you know, if you can still win early on, that's a great program builder. And, you know, same thing for Gulf Coast. Um, you know, they're a little more established, uh, you know, being district champion last year. But, you know, they have to show a little bit more on offense if they think they can win a playoff game or two in this region. Yeah, and must note, uh, Gulf Coast is still winless in the playoffs. They are 0-9 all time. You know, this would be a decent chance for them to maybe grab a win, but, you know, the 4-5 games can always go either way. Uh, moving on to our most competitive region, we saved it as the best for last. Uh, 3S Region 4, this one's loaded right now. Golden Gate is the number one seed for now. Naples at the 2, Dunbar at 3, Parish Community at 4, Baron Collier 5th, Port Charlotte 6th, Fort Myers 7th, Mariner 8th, notably out is South Fort Myers. They are sitting just outside the playoff picture um, at the 9. Laley is a distant 10th. And then from there, you know, it's it's going to be tough going for the rest of the teams uh, in that region. I'm kind of curious about this one. It could go either way. Naples seems to be fighting for home field advantage. Um, Dunbar right now has a really tough draw with Port Charlotte in the first round. Uh, this region seems like it could go to probably five or six teams. Yeah, and, and the thing, too, is these next few weeks really are uh, huge for playoff seedings. you got South Fort Myers, Fort Myers on Friday. If South were to knock off Fort Myers, Wolfpack are in, Green Wave are probably going to be sitting outside. I mean, there's a chance that – a real scenario that Fort Myers is not a playoff team this year, depending on how it rolls. Lately has a shot still. I mean, they still have – a couple of their big rivals coming up. They got Naples this week in the Coconut Bowl. You got uh, Golden Gate coming up. Um, those are good teams to play and get some wins against because if you, if you can win those two games and you're lately, you're probably in. So, I mean, there's still a lot to be determined uh, over these next couple weeks, which is what makes the season exciting. Yeah, and Dan, I mean, it's Baron Collier was the biggest mover. They got a huge win against South Fort Myers. They went from being the first team out to being safely in. Your thoughts on where this region is right now and where you think it might be at the end? Well, I think that uh, of all the regions, this is probably the one where I'd say all eight teams probably won't be in their same slot by the time this is over. I, I think there's still just so much movement that's going to happen in this region. I don't think there's a far and away this is the dominant team in this region like there is uh, in some of our other classifications. Uh, and it, it's really going to come down to there's going to be a district champion probably that's not in this list right now because I just think these teams are so bunched up and so close um, that there's going to be a, a team or two that's going to jump up, maybe not be in the top eight, but end up being a district champion that's going to knock a team out. It, it's just the parity that there is in this region, I think, is more so than any other uh, classification that our teams are involved in. Yeah, two matchups to really circle this week. Ed mentioned one, South Fort Myers heading to Fort Myers. That's a huge matchup with playoff implications on the line. Um, and then, of course, North Fort Myers hosting Mariner. 1-5 North Fort Myers 
If they can beat Mariner, they have the inside track to the postseason, and at this point they would effectively steal a bid from Mariner and make the loser uh, of South Fort Myers, Fort Myers, uh, the, it would make their chances very tough as well. If a team could really throw a wrench in this, do you like North to maybe do that, or do you like South? Well, yeah, if North would win a district, that's going to steal a spot from a, a team with a winning record. Um, I'm interested to see what South does. I think South has a chance this week, and if they can knock off Fort Myers, I mean, they'd certainly back in. So South and North are definitely wild cards over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think North is the team if, if that could really throw a wrench into it. I mean, South is South has Fort Myers and Dunbar still left. And, yes, if they win both, they win the district. But, um, you know, definitely a tougher path for them, I'd say. The other thing, too, is looking up a little further north, you got Parish Community and, and Port Charlotte. There, those are, That's a district showdown in two weeks between those two teams. Parish Community is one of those schools that, you know, all right, they're 5-1, and one, but who have they beaten? Um, they had real trouble. They barely got by Mulberry this week. Port Charlotte, you got to imagine, is going to handle Parish, which will drop Parish down. Um, their strength schedule isn't great. Um, and uh, other than Port Charlotte, um, honestly, I don't think uh, they have another winning team on their schedule. Uh, team, Well, they have George Jenkins at the end against in Lakeland. Um, but, again, George Jenkins isn't you know the greatest team either. So, you know, you got some wild cards up in the Sarasota area that we have, Charlotte and Sarasota area that we have to keep an eye on too here, um, and how far Parrish will drop after, you know, we assume poor Charlotte will handle them, see where they end up. Of course. Dan, any final thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's just so much so much movement still in there. Like, if you made an argument and said Port Charlotte's the best team in this region, I, I think you could really make that argument. They're sitting at six right now. So, you know, I don't pretend to understand the formula that the FHSA uh, uses, but I, I think you can really make an argument for three different teams to be the best team in this region, and, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be a valid argument. So I think we just have to – I know it's boring, but I think we just have to wait and see how things – play out and uh you know go from there and, and you can make the argument port charlotte's the best and they'd have to go through the three the two and the one to win this region most likely if the playoffs started today but i think we can all agree that port charlotte's going to probably win out um and they will uh definitely improve their standing before the postseason uh that wraps up that segment we're going to head into picks here very shortly uh stay tuned for that and we will uh hopefully we have a new leader this week for more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Go. All right, and welcome back to our final segment of the show. It is picks time. Uh, there'll be four of us picking this week. We had interesting weeks last week. Dustin Levy went eight and two. I went six and four. Dan goes five and five. Splits the week at five hundred. Updated standings. Dustin and I are tied for first with records of fifty-six and fourteen. Dan one game back at fifty-five and fifteen, and Ed in his second week picking sitting at nine and one. Uh, very interesting slate this week. We're going to start it off with a district game. Uh, Eastleigh County headed to Cypress Lake. Uh, this Jags team's rolling at the right time. I'll start and make the pick. I'm going to go with Eastleigh. Ed? Yeah, I, um, Eastleigh's rolling. 
Uh, Cyprus is not. I think this will be a easily a win with their offensive line opening big holes for you know the likes of Gary Hagan and uh, Victor Georges and Laz Rogers. Yeah, I agree. I, I think East Lee County, too many weapons uh, offensively. Um, they'll be able to put up points fairly easily, and I don't think Cypress Lake will be able to play catch-up. So East Lee wins this one. Yeah, it's going to be hard for Cypress Lake, uh, having turned the ball over six times against Gulf Coast last week. Two of those were pick sixes. Uh, Shout-out to Chris Jimenez and Evan Harmonson for uh, grabbing those pick sixes. Our next game on the slate District contest, Key West, and it's for the second time in three weeks, headed back up to Fort Myers. This time they're going to play Estero. This game was close last year, 42-37. to The Conks have been pretty effective in the ground game. Uh, they run the triple option. Um, Estero, very interesting team. They had their single game uh, high in total yards this past week. Uh, so both teams kind of peaking at the right time. Dan, Conks or Wildcats? I'm going to go with Estero. Uh, Key West can be kind of a pesky team, but they're much better at home uh, traditionally than they are on the road. That's a long trip for them. Uh, second one in a couple of weeks. I think Estero finds a way. Yeah, this one's tough. Um, you know, the triple option is hard to defend. I'm not sure if Estero will be able to. This game was close last year at their place. I'm going to go out on a limb here and take Key West to win on the road. I, I just think the Sestero team's a little down last year. They don't have Jason Duclona. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Conks here to grab a win on the road. I'm actually going to agree with Dan. I think Estero is starting to find their stride. Key West does have to come up. Uh, I think Estero will uh, will pull this one up. And, and I must uh, go back to the last game. Dustin picked East Lee County, and he picked Estero for this one. So... Unison on the first game, uh, split decision on the second. Uh, third game on the slate, battle of first-year programs, Joaquina Garcia uh, traveling to Aubrey Rogers. Uh, Joaquin Garcia is a Palm Beach County-based school, um, brand new. They have a win over Lenard. Aubrey Rogers still searching for their first win. Ed, do they get it here? I'm going to say yes. Joaquin Garcia has... They're one on five, and all five of their losses are by shutout. Um, so they are facing their growing pains. Aubrey Rogers, uh, they're at home. There should be some excitement. Uh, maybe getting that first win out of, out of the way here. So I'm going to say the Patriots get it done. Your thoughts, Dan? Uh, I picked Aubrey Rogers last week. Uh, they disappointed me. It appears, looking at the schedule, that Joaquin Garcia has played a little bit of tougher competition in terms of some public schools over on the East Coast. Uh, I'm going to go with Joaquin Garcia. Really? That's interesting. Dustin is on Aubrey Rogers. I'm really curious to know what the computer thinks on this one because it is a battle of first-year programs that um, have had their respective growing pains. Obviously, Aubrey Rogers, a team that is just, uh, you know, they're – Still growing under J.J. Average. I think they're fortunate to have a good coach uh, like him. I'm going to take Aubrey Rogers to win. Um, I do think that they get their first uh, win of the season here, um, and I think that'll be good for them moving forward, just especially in the first year of this program. It is, you know, it's one that I think could possibly be uh, competitive in, in a couple of years, but obviously things like this do take time. Uh, so I'm going to take Aubrey Rogers to win. Dustin also on Aubrey Rogers. Uh, next game on the slate, Thursday night football. Bishop Vero headed to Gateway. Um, we can spend five seconds on this one if we want. Vero big. Vero uh, 
coming off the loss should be able to bounce back here quite easily. Yeah, I'll save a row. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, it was good for Gateway to you know get a win last week over Bonita Springs. Uh, obviously much tougher competition this week and for a row will win. Yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for them this week. Uh, Dustin also on the Vikings to rebound, uh, so that makes it four for four. Next game on the slate, we're headed into some district contests here. Mariner headed to North Fort Myers. Um, this one's interesting. Uh, North being one and five, uh, Mariner being an undefeated six and zero, oh, but they have the third worst strength of schedule in the state per the FHSAA. So how misleading is the record? I think we're going to find out this week. Dan, your thoughts? Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts about this one. Um, it's. It, Everything is pointing toward Mariner winning this game. Uh, they're 6-0. and 6-0 uh, is the best start Mariners had in their history, which goes back to 1987. Uh, they had a bye last week, so it gives them a whole week uh, to prepare for North, uh, get kids healthy. North is tough on defense. They do have a very good defensive line. Uh, I just think offensively, North is just too banged up. Um, I, I think Bryce DeRoss obviously isn't 100%. I think Mariner has more playmakers on offense um, with Justin Lewis, Noah Tolbert, Kalen Davidson. Uh, I just think they've got the ability to put up points. And aside from one game this year uh, against Lemon Bay and against a Cape Coral team that I think we're learning, you know, isn't the stout team defensively that they were last year. Norse really struggled to put up points in games. I think Mariners had this game circled for years <laughs> on their calendar. Haven't beaten North since uh, 2012, and it really hasn't been close the last few years. I think there's certain times where a program is building towards something. They've been working towards something. And now it's time to go and get it done. Both these teams know that they're probably not going to make the playoffs unless they win the district. Mariner's got a better shot than North, but Mariner wants to win a district. They haven't won one since 1997. Ernest Graham was in the backfield in 1997. That's how long ago that was. Um, I think it's Mariner's year in this district, and I think Mariner will find a way to win. So Dan going with the Tritons. Going to cut in here. Dustin also going with the Tritons. Ed, this is... Feels like as close of a game as you can get. Now I'm going to uh, agree with Dan. I think this is the culmination of what Coach Nicholson's been working on, what these seniors have been gearing up to. Um, I don't think North has found its identity on offense. Um, Mariner will be able to score. I mean, North will, you know, they're very good defense, but Mariner's going to be able to put some points on the board. I just don't know if North will be able to match them uh, touchdown for touchdown. I think this is uh, Mariners' year to finally break uh, break all those curses and beat North and and win a district title. This is a tough game to pick, and I'm I, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm a very reactive person, and I just can't be proactive enough to pick Mariner to win this one. Um, over the last two years, North has beaten Mariner fifty to seven and thirty eight to nothing. Last year, they did not have Andre Devine in this game. North didn't. Um, and they still managed to run and clock Mariner. And, and that's a team that ran for 241 yards. Uh, the year prior, they ran for 301. Um, I, I just don't know if there's that big of a drop-off uh, where Mariner's officially 38 points improved or seven or 18 points improved, however you want to look at it. And I don't know if, if North is 18 points worse. But I look at this one, and I, and I think schedule matters. And I think while Mariner is 6-0, I, I just like North to get it done. 
Um, Mariner has ha- historically had trouble here, um, and, and I think that you know it's going to be relying on the North Ground game uh, to win this one. And I think despite sitting at one and five, I, I've been a firm believer in North, and I'm going to keep picking them. Um, I, I think North is going to win this game. Uh, next game on the slate, Lehigh headed to Charlotte, de facto district title game here. Uh, the Lightning are not in a great position right now under first-year coach Antoine Dixon. They're 1-5, but they played really tough competition. It's a top-five strength of schedule in the area. Charlotte, on the other hand, found their footing finally after uh, getting their starting quarterback back. Egg, going to start it with you. Does Lehigh get back in the win column, or is Charlotte looking at basically running away with the district after this one? I mean, this is a tough one because we really haven't had a chance to see Lehigh, um, even when they play on the road. Um, it has been close to here, so we really haven't had too many eyeballs on, on the Lightning. Um, Charlotte, definitely not a world beater. They're trying to build something there. Um, this is probably as close as it can get. I, I almost want to flip out, a, get a coin and uh, make a flip. I'm going to say Charlotte since they've got a couple wins under the belt. They're starting to pick up some momentum. I know North uh, didn't allow them much at all in their uh, last game. Um, but I'm just going to stick with Charlotte and, and, and see what happens. Your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with Charlotte. Uh, they're at home. And I just can't get over Lehigh losing by 42 points to Sebring. Um, I think Lehigh had, would have the potential to win this game. I think they have uh, playmakers. Um, I think they have a little more team speed maybe than Charlotte if you lined everybody up. But I really like the job that Charlotte's lines did, uh, both lines really, offensive line and and their defensive line uh, last week when it mattered against North. Uh, They're getting healthier, um, and I think they'll find a way to win at home. Yeah, this is a really interesting game. Uh, Lehigh seems confident. Um, But, yeah, that that 49-6 loss to Sebring was eye-opening. I expected a closer game, Um, nothing like that. Uh, I'm going to join you guys. I'm going to take Charlotte, uh, as will Dustin. Um, This is a game that definitely could be close. I mean, Lehigh, if they want to play, they can play. Um, It's just a matter of being able to execute the game plan. It should be, uh, I think, a one-score game. I think we can agree on that. It's just a matter of which way it's going to go. The computer, obviously, they think the score is going to be 26-17 on a neutral field. So kind of in that realm there. Um, And just circling back to last week's game on a neutral field, they have Mariner winning 26-22 over North. So two really close games that are tough to pick. Dustin also on Charlotte, so that's four of us in in agreement with the Tarpons. Game number seven on the slate, Dunbar headed to Lowndes. Uh, Second year in a row that the Tigers will head up to Georgia for this one. Uh, I think they're getting up there a day earlier this time rather than day of game. Dan, does Lowndes uh, get back in the win column after a three-game losing streak, or does Dunbar uh, continue that for them? I think so. I, I think Lowndes will win. I, I, I mean, I think both these teams probably aren't as good as they were last year at this point in the season. Uh, that's just such a long road trip, though, and uh, I, I, I just like Lowndes in this game. Ed? You know, I think uh, Dunbar's been talking about this game. Uh, they, they talked about it in the preseason that, you know, they went up there last year and, and got handled pretty well, and that, I think, has uh, has been sitting with them. Uh, they had time to get ready for this game. They're going up earlier. Uh, even Coach Sammy Brown said he learned a lot about preparation to head up there. So we're going to see if it all pays off. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and that they did learn enough, and there is that chip, and they want to prove something. So I'm going to pick Dunbar. 
If Dunbar wants to have home field advantage in this uh, region, I think they're going to have to win this game. However, I do not. I think the bus ride is going to be too much. Um, I, I think Lowndes is going to come away with a win. Georgia football is really good. They're a premier program in the state. I'm going to go with Lowndes. Dustin also on Lowndes. Game 8 on the slate. South Fort Myers headed to Fort Myers. Huge playoff uh, implication game here. Uh, the Greenies trying to hang on to a playoff spot while South is now on the outside looking in. I'll start with the pick here. Uh, I can't bet against Sam Sirianni at home, even though South did win this game two years ago that I was at. Fort Myers... I think we'll have an answer to a degree uh, for Justin White and Victor Jenkins. I think it's enough of an answer for them to win, but I, I think this is going to be close. Ed? Yeah, I saw Fort Myers two weeks ago against East Lee, and just something about their offense. I, I can't put my finger on it, but it, it just does not seem cohesive right now, um, at least when I saw them. I will say, you know, Fort Myers' defense uh, in the first half, the East Lee offense – Offensive line especially had its way up front. Fort Myers, as they do, went in, coached the kids up, and locked it down in the second half. Brian Fitzgerald uh, uh, played an excellent game second half. But I'm going to say this is uh, South Fort Myers' year. I, I think Coach May is doing a really good job with that group. Uh, the South defense has played uh, really well all season. They do have playmakers. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this one to South on the road. Dustin on south as well. So, Dan, we're either looking at a 3-1 split or a split decision. Uh, I think this is a one-score game. Uh, it really is. I'm going to go with Fort Myers. I think this was the perfect time to have a bye week uh, and to be able to focus on this game, um, be able to figure out a way to take away or at least limit uh, Justin White. I think we'll see a lot of Madrid Tucker uh, on Justin White. And I think uh, Fort Myers, I think their line will find a way to protect um, and give um, their passing game time to develop and maybe get some running room for Frank Starks. And they're at home, and uh, I think Fort Myers will find a way. Yeah, this is a game where, I mean, both coaches are really good at adjustments, uh, Willis May being one of the better ones in the area alongside Sam Sirianni. Uh, both teams know how to adjust. Both coaching staffs know that, I mean, this is going to be a chess match uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, should be a good one at Edison Stadium. Make it out there if you can. And the other thing, too, remember, this game has huge playoff implications. This is a huge game if both teams want to be playing in, in a couple weeks. So I think that urgency will be there. So this should be a fun one. But because Fort Myers already has a loss to Dunbar and South still has Dunbar in front of them, this is a basically a must, must, must win for Fort Myers. South still has the opportunity if they lose this game and can beat Dunbar – you can kind of still, you know, have some kind of a tiebreaker situation. Uh, Fort Myers loses this game and goes and goes two down in the district. Uh, they're done. Uh, so I think their back is squarely against the wall. They've had a week to prepare. They're at home, and they'll find a way. Interesting there. Game number nine, this is the 50th edition of the Coconut Bowl. Naples headed to Laley in this one. Uh, it, it's uh, been a winning streak for Naples. They've won the last, I believe it was the last, 12 or 13 games, the longest winning streak in the rivalry. Golden Eagles lead at all time, 34 to 15. Um, I'll start here. I think they get win 35 um, in the 50th anniversary of this game. You know, Naples is just peaking at the right time, I think. And while Ben Hammer uh, is familiar with the split back veer, um, I just don't think that um, Laley will be able to get it done. I just think Naples is is too good in too many areas um, where Laley is not. Ed. Yeah, you know, Laley is uh, still using a lot of young players. They're coming into their own. 
but Naples has found its stride, it seems. Uh, they're on a good rhythm right now. So I'm going to stay with the Golden Eagles here as well. I think so. I think Naples wins this game. Dustin also in agreement. Uh, our last game, game of the week, Golden Gate headed to Barron Collier. Huge, huge, huge district matchup here. Um, if Barron wants to throw a wrench in things, they can. Uh, if Golden Gate wins this game, they've got the clear inside track to win the district as of right now. Um, we expect a healthy Nico Boyce in this game, who is definitely worth a couple touchdowns. Golden Gate, they've they've had a bye week. You know, they were able to recover after that FBA loss, get right. You know, Ed, going to start it with you here. Titans, Cougars, which way? This is another one where I could just flip a coin. Um, with Nico Boyce being healthy, that makes a huge difference. Um, I'm sad I'm not going to be at this game. This is going to be one to watch. Um, I'm going to go with Golden Gate. I think they've, despite the bump against First Baptist, they were still able to score uh, pretty well against First Baptist. But I think uh, Golden Gate just has so many weapons, can burn you on special teams. Uh, the, you know, the secondary can return picks on you and make big plays. Um, I'm just going to give uh, Golden Gate the edge, and, and I think a close one. I think so. Um, I've gone uh, with two teams that uh, had a bye week in front of a big uh, district game, so I want to make it three for three. Um, you know, good opportunity to just focus on one team, prepare, get healthy, uh, do what you need to do, and uh, I think Golden Gate will will find a way. But I, it, I think it's going to be a very, very close game, um, but I like the Titans. Yeah, and Dustin also on Golden Gate. I'm in unison with you. I like teams coming off the bye. I mean, you saw it at the college football level this past week. Louisville coming off a bye or coming off an extra day of rest, basically. They get Notre Dame. Uh, they pick them off uh, at home there. You know, Golden Gate's an interesting team. They're four and two. They've been competitive in basically every game they've played, but I'm not. I'm not sure how to feel about them right now. Just knowing what I know about the program right now it makes it tougher to pick Golden Gate to win this one. But I'm going to lean Titans here, just even though there might be adversity and all that. Um, I'm, I'm going to lean towards Golden Gate to get a win on the road and, and to have an inside track on the district title. Um, the Baron, I think, is very, very good, and I think. The fact that they were able to win with a backup quarterback on the road says a lot about the character of that team. Um, but Golden Gate, maybe three points better here, maybe seven points better. Um, but we do know if Barron wins this one, Mark Jackson will have even more to say. So uh, that's four picks for Golden Gate. Uh, that wraps up the pick segment. Be sure to visit news-press.com sports and naplesnews.com sports for all your high school football content. Got a couple features coming later this week. Got updated rankings. Got our takeaways on the FHSAA's rankings. Um, it's just a loaded week in general, and it's fitting that the playoffs are not that far away. So be sure to go there for everything high school football in southwest Florida. Uh, for Dan DeLuca, Ed Reed, Amanda Inscore, and Dustin Levy. I'm Alex Martin, signing off of Season 6, Episode 9 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.